Was the reformer Martin Luther innovating or in error when he added the word alone to Romans 3.28, for we hold that one is justified by faith alone apart from works of the law? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. Journal. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. Donna Harrison details her journey to confessional Lutheranism from Catholicism, Scientism, Mysticism, and Evangelicalism. The free online Issues Etc. Journal. Just click the red Journal subscription button at issuesetc.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. The world's view of sex is now not only off course from the created order, it is on a collision course with something that is pretty much the exact opposite of God's purpose for sex, for marriage, for human sexuality. Be that as it may, Christians remain, well, they have a North Star to follow, Holy Scripture on the issue of sexuality. So what does Scripture mean when it talks about the marriage bed, in particular in Hebrews, the marriage bed being undefiled? Welcome back to Issues Etc. Joining us to talk about God's gift of the marriage bed, Pastor David Peterson. He's pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, editor of Gottesdienst, the Journal of Lutheran Liturgy, and author of a recent column for the Lutheran Witness Online titled Reclaiming the Marriage Bed. David, welcome back. Thanks, Todd. There in Hebrews 13, it reads, Marriage is to be held in honor by all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. What is it talking about? It's talking about sexual intercourse. So the place where husband and wife sleep together. And the very next phrase is that God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Why does the writer to the Hebrews feel the need to address that issue? Because sexual intercourse within holy marriage is such a beautiful gift, but like almost all of the gifts that God gives us, very easily abused and used for selfish purposes. So this isn't a new problem, of course, but it's a somewhat exaggerated problem in our day. But already in Paul's time, there were people that there were men who thought that their wives were things to be used for their pleasure, even within the church and vice versa. And so that danger or temptation needs to be guarded against and warned about. Why has God created and given marriage and the marriage bed? Well, the, the kind of classic way we think about the purposes of marriage are that God has given created marriage for the mutual support uh, and companionship of one another, that husband and wife would delight in one another, and for procreation, that is for children. And really the marriage bed, sexual intercourse serves all three of those. Um, that it is, in fact, a, an act of companionship, of help and support, particularly and explicitly, again, in Paul's words, to avoid temptations, particularly adultery and self-abuse. But then also, uh, the marriage bed is about delight. There is pleasure in it. It is a gift from God. It is designed to be and meant to be an act of enjoyable intimacy. And then finally, also, of course, procreation. So all three of those really come together in this gift that God has given for marriage. But we tend to, in our day, be a little bit corrupted by the world because of the perversions that are all around us, and to really focus primarily on the idea of delight 
And then also often kind of taking that almost as though that's a right or something that's owed to us. Set the context there about what you just mentioned, the context of how Christians live in this world, and yet at the same time, especially with respect to the marriage bed, are not swayed by their uh, falsehoods. Yeah, that's exactly right. We are being catechized by the world constantly, bombarded by their messages. And what the world is teaching us in, in America today, through television, through the internet, in school, through sex, what's called sex ed, almost everywhere, is demonic and it's selfish, and we need the light of Holy Scripture to actually guide and teach us. We certainly can't deal with questions of sexual ethics and just say, well, let the gospel take care of that. God has given us clear explanations, boundaries, rules, laws in this institution of what's allowable and what isn't, and if we just let the gospel take care of it, we're going to end up in the same place as the world, because that's what they're doing. They're just basically saying anything goes. So the real danger at, at a sort of theological level, I mean, we certainly don't want to get into details, we don't need to, is to just simply recognize, again, the purposes of marriage and that what actually Christian love is and what's the defining reality of Christian love. I mean, how is it that Christians know what love is? of course, 1 John 3, because he laid down his life for us. Christian love is always sacrificial. It is love for someone other than yourself. Marriage is explicitly heterosexual. I just think this is so beautiful because hetero means other. We have a love for someone not like us as opposed to homosexual, which is love of self or love of the same. And we're called to be imitators of Jesus Christ, to be reflecting the love that has saved us and forgiven us. And part of how we do that is by loving someone who's not like us. Boys and girls are different psychologically as well as physically and sociologically. And all of that comes into play when you live in holy marriage, that you have to live with someone who isn't you and who comes at the world from a different point of view. And doing so and making sacrifices for that person actually makes you a better person. It teaches you what it is to be more like Jesus and cures you of idolatry, which is always love of self. So the world's view of sex is that it's about pleasure and that it's a right and that you can't control yourself and that any perversion that you should want to indulge, you just should be able to. And there's, you know, it's biological and you can't stop it and on and on. But God actually teaches us that even this, as powerful as it is, and as beautiful as it can be in the right area, needs to be restrained by the order into what God has established. And that is this order of love and sacrificial love and service to one another. It is possible, and that was kind of the uh, impetus of this article, it is possible in Christian marriages to misuse the marriage bed. So, it's the legal place for sexual intercourse, of course, in a sense, but that doesn't mean anything goes. And we need to keep this in mind, what its purposes are. And I think there's really kind of two places. I mean, there's probably a multitude, but there's kind of two obvious places that we should start thinking about and talking about as we sort of search the scriptures to think about what's the right way to go. And the first one is the kind of, I think, most shocking thing in a way in our context, again, in North America, 
And that is that marriage is for the purpose of children. Some people, of course, are denied that because of the crosses that God places upon them, and they have to suffer that much in the way that other people have to suffer deafness or blindness or physical afflictions or or various things. But what we were meant to live together as husband and wife. It wasn't good when Adam was alone. And Adam and Eve from the beginning were to be fruitful and to multiply. That is God's desire. God is the God of the living. He's the living God. He loves life. That's why he loves marriage and he loves children. And one of the this is why women are the real glory and honor of humanity, because they participate in the procreation of life and delivering a baby in a way that's more intimate than men do. And that's the glory that's the promise that's given to Eve in Genesis 3.15 that will ultimately be fulfilled in the Messiah, but but also this idea that women will be saved through childbirth is they're making this real and important sacrifice. And then, of course, husband and wife together are going to continue to make sacrifices. I mean, children require a lot of sacrifices, and they never return what you give to them. They can't. You always love your children more than they love you. Because to some degree, they're born as selfish little creatures in original sin, and we teach them and guide them and nurture them in the Lord as a way of civilizing them. I don't mean to say that they don't love us or they don't come to appreciate us or that there's no joy in rearing children because there obviously is. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an uneven arrangement. You make sacrifices for them. They don't make sacrifices for you. Your heart breaks for them. Theirs don't for you in the same way. And they also cost a lot of money and time and even health, especially in the case of the mother. So all of that is good for our souls because it teaches us again to not live for ourselves and to not simply seek pleasure and avoid pain, but in a Christ-like way, in Christ's vocations into which he's placed us, we actually learn to love in a sacrificial way for other people and That is the most healthy spiritually and emotionally and mentally thing we could possibly do. Pastor David Peterson is our guest. We're talking about God's gift of the marriage bed on this Wednesday, August the 30th. When we return, we're going to talk a little bit more about, well, he says the opposite of love is idolatry. After our conversation with Pastor Peterson concludes, Jeff Hemmer will join us to compare the biblical view of masculinity with Andrew Tate's teaching. Was the reformer Martin Luther innovating or in error when he added the word alone to Romans 3.28, for we hold that one is justified by faith alone, apart from works of the law? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. Journal. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. Donna Harrison details her journey to confessional Lutheranism from Catholicism, Scientism, Mysticism, and Evangelicalism. The free online Issues Etc. Journal. Just click the red journal subscription button at issuesetc.org. I'm Chaplain Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Congregations work hard to keep the Word of Christ dwelling richly in His disciples now and into eternal life. We work to help and support that effort. Learn more at lcms.org worship. 
You'll find resources on the church here, Bible studies on the hymns of the day, audio helps for learning to sing our services, and look for worship planning resources to find the latest from LCMS Worship. That's lcms.org worship. May the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Where doctrine is life. You're listening to Issues Etc. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about God's gift of the marriage bed. Pastor David Peterson is our guest. David, what does Paul's frequent admonitions, but especially in Ephesians 5, what do they have to do with this subject? Well, again, they're showing us how we're supposed to behave in all aspects of marriage, including the marriage bed. So when Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that, that applies you know, not just uh, to letting her choose which restaurant to go to, but it, it it also includes what happens in the marriage bed. And I hate to have to sort of talk about these things, but in premarital counseling these days and also in marital sessions, I do tell people because they've been corrupted by pornography often that things they may have learned in that realm are not applicable and not legitimate so that nothing should happen in the marriage bed that's degrading or painful. And we just leave it there that, again, we're supposed to be serving one another even there in that place. Because God gave us the marriage bed as an act of affection and intimacy. Again, there is pleasure in it because of that. There's great joy in it, but there's also great danger. A little bit later in that chapter, Paul says, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So again, there's just this placing this in this very high realm. So part of what helps, one of the things that can help is to recognize the purpose of procreation in marriage and the gift of life and how God actually propels his church into the world and expands his church through this act of man and wife becoming one flesh. But then also this sacrificial love, not only for children, but also for the other and serving one another in actually the marriage bed. And I know that sounds sort of strange in a way to talk about, and it can be awkward to talk about in marriage, but we need to do it. I even recommend that couples actually pray together and ask God to bless their time together in bed before they go into this act. And this goes along with, of course, what Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 6 and again in 7, that husbands and wives do not have authority over their own bodies. So they're not to deprive one another, Rather, he says, they are to surrender to one another. Now, of course, we have to always have these caveats and be careful with this. This is a surrender of affection that is done in trust and in love. This is not submission to abuse or to degradation. Husbands are to give up their pleasure for their wives. And in some sense, vice versa is also true, but not to the point where they would come together in a way that is irreverent or be used. 
that rather that we would see one another, husband and wife would see one another as a person whom Christ has sanctified and cleansed with his blood, and we would recognize in our spouse the Lord's own beloved person, holy and without blemish. I mean, it sounds sort of exaggerated, but there is a certain sense in how would you treat the Virgin Mary? How would you treat this person that's so dear and important to Jesus? And that's how you should treat your wife, because that's what she is. She is baptized and she does belong to him and you have been given a certain stewardship and she also of you so that you serve one another, but she's not yours to use. So we're never to view one another as things to be used, but rather as people to be served, sacrificed for, and even cherished. And this view of marriage, this biblical view, is the source of such great joy and contentment And there's really riches here for us that are just waiting to be mined and to be enjoyed. You say that the one flesh bond between husband and wife is actually the bedrock of society and the foundation of civilization. What do you mean by that? And what are the implications? There's the three hierarchies, right? Or the three estates that God has instituted in which humans live, the family, the church, and the state. And the first of those is the family, and the family is husband and wife primarily, and then God willing, also children. And that is what is the basis. The church gets its authority from the family. I mean, from God, of course, but there is this derivation, right? That's why Luther's small catechism is directed to the head of the household. Pastors stand in the place of parent when they teach confirmation class, and to some degree, even when they preach, they're standing in the place of parent. And in a similar way, the government, I mean, even more exaggerated in a way, but that's what I mean, is that this is the bedrock and the foundation. This is sort of one of the problems with libertarianism from a theological point of view. Maybe you like some of their ideas, but the idea that the individual is the bedrock of society and autonomous is a very unbiblical idea. Again, it was not good when Adam was alone. And Adam and Eve meant to be together and they're meant to be fruitful and multiply. And this is the picture of life and of joy and of goodness that God has designed for us from the very beginning. And if that foundation is not maintained, what kind of a world faces our children and grandchildren? (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a world of absolute selfishness where we treat one another like things to be used. And it is really, this is idolatry where our own pleasure is the thing that matters the most, or avoidance of pain is the thing that matters most. And we don't see people as people, and we don't see wives as the beloved of the Lord, and we don't see children as a gift and a blessing, but we just see how they're interfering somehow with what we want. And it's just the shallowest and most violent and loneliest of places. So what is the comfort that is offered in this gift of the marriage bed for husband and wife, and then indirectly for the families they raise? Oh, that's a great question. The promise is companionship, conversation, actual intimacy, a place to have someone to face the world with that is actually united to you in the most intimate of ways. I love this word, this help meet word that God gives to Eve, and then that Eve becomes the mother of all the living. I mean, the language is just packed. The mother of all the living is really significant because God is the God of the living. And for Eve to have this, so to be involved in life 
and in the propagation of the species, or I mean, to put it more theologically, to have children that belong to the Lord and to be given the honor of raising them and to serve one another and to live and to work together. This is what we were meant for, and this is where God promises to bless us. This is where the sacraments actually are active and where we can have mutual consolation and speak forgiveness and learn acceptance. And I mean, really, everything that the Bible promises is promised most ideally in the family. Finally, why is it vital that pastors, you've mentioned this several times, that Christian pastors, when preparing young people for marriage, realize that they have to decatechize or do some remedial teaching and instruction with these young couples so that as we began, the marriage bed may remain undefiled? Well, because it's been defiled most of the time before they're even married, and they've just had such corruption put into their minds by all of these images and and all of this talk. It's just pervasive, and we can't ignore it. I heard a statistic, I I don't know where this came from, but supposedly 70% of professional church workers use pornography. I don't know how they got that statistic. I don't know how accurate it is. Let's just say it's 40% to be, that's a horrific statistic. And presumably, maybe this isn't fair, but I think it's probably worse with the laity. So this is an epidemic. In my estimation, it is the most pervasive and the most problematic thing. Of course, included in this would be things like homosexuality, abortion, single mother homes, I mean, on and on. So it's not just a one trick pony. It seems to me the most pervasive temptation and corruption. And and it's all based upon a kind of idolatry that just seeks one's own pleasure apart from the gifts and the places that God has given them. Pastor David Peterson is pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He's editor of Gottesdienst, the Journal of Lutheran Liturgy, and author of a recent column for the Lutheran Witness Online titled Reclaiming the Marriage Bed. David, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Todd. When we come back, we're going to be comparing the biblical view of masculinity with Andrew Tate's teaching. Andrew Tate is everywhere, and especially in the news because some recent arrests. We'll find out about those and how his teaching on masculinity stacks up against that of Scripture. The fundamental question that these parables ask is this. Is it possible for someone who has fallen away from the faith, a baptized child, to be brought to repentance? And the answer is yes, a thousand times yes. It has to be yes. Or I'm damned. And so are you. Pastor Peter Bender speaking at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. But if we as earthly parents love our children in spite of the fact that they rebel and maybe wander from home, how much more does the Father's love for us in Christ Jesus never cease? That is the birthright that you and I have been given in our baptism. That is our consolation. You can watch and listen to Pastor Peter Bender's teaching, Making the Case for a Dying Man's Consolation, and all of the presentations from this year's conference for a contribution of $300. It's available via on-demand video stream or podcast. Learn more at issuesetc.org. Equipping the priesthood of all believers. You're listening to Issues Etc. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. 
Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial-A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Memoria Press is a family-run publisher of classical Christian education materials for homeschools and private schools. Every page of the Memoria Press curriculum leads students to a mastery of content, an understanding of the classical heritage of the Christian West, and an appreciation of truth, goodness, and beauty. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. memoriapress.com Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Advent Lutheran, Zionsville, Indiana. Concordia Lutheran, Sykeston, Missouri. Grace Lutheran, Auburn, Michigan. Emmanuel Lutheran, Everett, Washington. Messiah Lutheran, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our Savior Lutheran, Ridgecrest, California. Redeemer Lutheran, Los Alamos, New Mexico. St. John Lutheran, New Berlin, Illinois. St. Paul Lutheran, Montevideo, Minnesota. Trinity Lutheran, Okmulgee, Oklahoma. And Zion Lutheran, St. Labore, Nebraska. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal.